This episode of Spread the Floor is brought to you by Joshua Sodder, designer and illustrator. The design world can be intimidating to navigate, and finding a high-quality designer who won't kill your budget can be super difficult. Fortunately, our friend Joshua Sodder provides a fantastic solution. Joshua has done tons of work for us here at Spread the Floor, including the design of our logo, as well as designs for our social media. He always listens to our ideas and requests, keeps in touch with us through the process, and gives us a ton of great options to choose from and work with. He's a true professional and goes above and beyond to collaborate with us on whatever project we have in mind. You can check out Joshua's work for yourself by going to joshuasodder.com and browsing through his portfolio. He's done some incredible work for Kent State University's Apple Store, startups and agencies all across the country, and podcasts like Mad About Movies. Check out joshuasodder.com or his Instagram at joshuathedesigner and hit him up for all your design and illustration needs, from logos to merchandise, branding to websites, and tell him we sent you. Thanks, Joshua. Now on to the show. This just in, a hero is more than a sandwich. Welcome to Spread the Floor, the world's first and only NBA podcast, probably. I am your host, Brian Gill, joined as always by the Fred Hoiberg to my Jeff Hornacek. It's Tobin Hodges. (laughs) Tobin, how are you, buddy? The fact that you didn't use Marcus Pfizer is a little disappointing in this situation. Thought about it. Thought about Pfizer and Tinsley. Um... (laughs) <laughs> but I, I went I went super white. But I'm also somewhere. not bald like Pfizer, so <laughs> I guess that's probably a good thing. Um, you do you have the physique though. You have the physique of, okay. of Marcus Pfizer. So well, um, maybe I can get drafted by the Bulls and be a huge disappointment then. So <laughs> sorry, sorry. Did you know that Marcus Pfizer? I should look this up before I say it on the air, but it's too late. I'm already in. I think he's like an ordained minister or something. Like he's a legit good dude after not being a great dude in his teens and, and early twenties, from if I remember correctly. Um, I didn't. I, I should have. I should have uh, researched this a little. My bit. My biggest I memory think. of Marcus Pfizer is him walking past the the coach being awkwardly lifted up from Hampton after Hampton beat them as a 15 seed. And that that's my, yeah, that is my biggest memory of Marcus Pfizer. So not a, Uh not a great one. (laughs) Yeah, he is uh, Marcus Pfizer is currently at least at the time of this, uh, of his Wikipedia editing is currently a youth minister. Okay. Um, well good for you, Marcus. Maybe would not have bet on that. During he his, did better his, than uh, you know Jamal Tinsley, Tinsley, so that's <laughs> at least something. Um, perhaps if you're putting the the context clues together, you may know that or may have figured out that we are going to be talking about Iowa State's Tyrese Halliburton tonight on our uh, weekly scout. NBA draft bonus episode that we've been doing for the last few weeks. I hope you've enjoyed these. I know we've, I've enjoyed putting them together. I love talking the draft. Um, Tobin, you enjoy, or at least tolerate, uh, maybe placate me by talking about the draft so much. Um, and, uh, this, this has been fun. These have been fun to put together. It gives us a little opportunity to, to, uh, talk more actual basketball in our main feed episodes or excuse me, our, our main weekly episodes and, uh, and then do the bonus on the side. I imagine, Tobin, as we get closer to, now that we've done four or five of these, and we're getting, uh, as we get closer to, like, the top 15 rather than the top 10, we'll start combining players into episodes and, mm-hmm. and knocking out two or three guys in, in an episode, and we'll probably start 
moving some of these to our main episodes as well, just depending on what kind of stuff and news and whatever that we have to talk about um, over there. But I'm pumped, man. This is a this is a fun one. I I uh, I don't want to spoil this, but I really I really like Albert. I enjoy watching him <laughs> play the basketball quite a lot. So uh, I don't know. Let's let's let you get started with this. All right. So and we'll break down the strengths and weaknesses. Tyrese Halliburton from Iowa State. He is listed as a guard, and he is a sophomore at Iowa State. Twenty years old, just over twenty years old. His wingspan is six eight. His height is six five, and he weighs one seventy five. He averaged 15.2 points, 5.9 rebounds, and 6.5 assists with a 61% efficiency field goal percentage while he was at Iowa State. So, Brian, what are some of the things that you do like about Tyrese Halliburton? This dude passes. You know I love yeah. passes, man. I love court vision. Um, this this guy, boy. We talked about it a little bit with, with LaMelo. LaMelo has really good court vision. Um I think one of the big differences between LaMelo and, uh, and Halliburton is uh, LaMelo passes when he has to, whereas I think Halliburton takes the court thinking, it'd be cool if I got 30 assists tonight. So I love that. I love big, rangy, wingy, wingy guys who, uh, who, who have great, great court vision, and, and that's, that is Tyrese Halliburton. That is the first thing that will jump out at you on any tape that you watch of him, any game. Uh, you will see him make ridiculous passes that are also functional, which is a, another big uh, a, a big thing for. Th- I, we got to be real upfront, Tobin. This this is the type of player that I fall for every mm-hmm. year. Like I am big in on on a on a passer like uh, like Terry's Halliburton, somebody who has height and wingspan to go with it. Oof, that is that's super sexy for me. So uh, I see the I see the the, the ability. That he brings to the table from uh, from a floor management standpoint, and that makes me really excited about his potential future uh, in the NBA. Yeah, so that's the first thing. And he for sure. and he played with some good teams. The Iowa State had a couple good years with him. Um, he got to play with Talon Horton Tucker in his freshman year, which is good. Uh-huh. Uh, so he, there yeah. is some some pedigree there, which is great. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and jump into my comps. Like, so I, I know that you you might save yours. I'll go ahead and jump into sure. mine because. Um, I watched a fair amount of him last year and obviously this year's season got cut short, but you know, Iowa state was, uh, is obviously, as we said before, is in the conference that my college is in. So in the team that we watch is in, so we've seen, I've seen a pretty good amount mm-hmm. of him already. Um, he, I think he is kind of rising up some boards, uh, because sure. I think he does do a lot of things like a lot of good basketball things. You not he may not do anything than spectacularly, but he's very good at a lot of things. Um, mm-hmm. The thing that he reminds me of is I, I, I'm telling you, like, the, I'm seeing a lot of comps, you know, uh, and I won't say them because I don't want to spoil yours. I'm seeing a lot of comps that I don't necessarily agree with. And sure. the one that I think that when I watch him, and I think, I think I saw one place use the same comp, but the thing I see when I see him is Sean Livingston. Like, that's, that's what, yeah. I, what I yeah, see the good. most when I watch him play. That, that's the first thing I sure. thought of was this guy that, who's kind of bigger that plays a point guard style but could also play a good two guard and mm-hmm. then has that playmaking ability. Like, you know, and maybe not even young Sean Livingston, maybe more like Golden State Sean Livingston, you know, because it's more of a, mm-hmm. a spot-up shooter than, than the young sure. Sean Livingston, I guess. 
So that's that's what he sees in yeah. me. I, he's a like he can be a good playmaker. Like I think you said, like Lamelo. Like Lamelo, I think is is making passes to be flashy. Whereas I think this guy sees the court really well, and he's trying mm-hmm. to put the ball wherever it needs to go. Um, I'm sure you'll touch on this. His shooting mechanics are very weird. Um, yeah, not great, but not horrible. And he seems to it mm-hmm. seems to work for him, especially like from range, which is which is yeah. odd. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, I I like him. I like him a lot as a catch and shoot shooter. Um, he where he struggles. This he he has two big struggles. Um, and I, we, I've got more stuff to talk about with his strengths, but we'll just kind of mix and match as we go here. But his two big things are well, number one, he is he is wire thin. I mean, he he's got no weight to to him whatsoever, and he's got he's got such a thin frame that you do wonder how much he can add to it. Um, I think he could add a few pounds, but I don't know that you're going to see him bulk up and, you know, add an extra 20 pounds and still retain the quickness and agility that he has. So I, I think the, I think the, the lack of strength and the weight is just going to be an issue that you're going to have to deal with, uh, that he's going to have to deal with and that the team that drafts him is going to have to deal with. The other issue for him is, uh, you mentioned his mechanics. I, I'm with you. They're not terrible. But he is—he really struggles to get a good shot off off the off the bounce. Mm-hmm. So coming off of screens, um, and you know, in pull up situations, stuff which are two, obviously those are very valuable things that you want from a primary ball handler at this point in the NBA is the ability to do those two mm-hmm. things. And he really struggles with that. When you watch the videos on him, you watch game game tape. If he is able to set his feet step into the shot and and get it off the shot a goes in he was shot like uh he shot 42 percent on threes last year on five on five and a half attempts per game which is a really a really good rate especially for somebody who really didn't i mean he wasn't gunning right like he wasn't out there just trying to get buckets um so i i dig that but there's a big difference in his not necessarily his mechanics but certainly the success rate um, when he's able to catch and shoot versus when he is the one who is creating the shot for mm-hmm. himself from the outside. He is much more comfortable at this point coming off of a screen or bringing the ball up in transition or whatever and ducking into the lane to try to get a floater off rather than uh, pulling up behind the screen and, and, and nailing a three. That's, and that's going to be a big struggle for him um, moving forward. Now, I think it can be fixed. I don't know. He's never going to be like, Somebody that you're just that defenses are just terrified of off the bounce like that. But if he can just become a little bit more functional on that route, I, I in that realm, I, I think that could that could really unlock what he is capable of doing. Because again, I mentioned all the passing, it, but it's not Lonzo Ball is a, is a comp for him. He's one of the ones that I have on my list. He's one that you see that comes up pretty frequently when uh, when you watch you know film on him and stuff. And I see that, obviously. I, I put it in my comps. Um, I think that something that he does much, I think much better than Lonzo did at this point in his career or this stage is the pick-and-roll offense. I I was underwhelmed by Ball's passing ability because, number one, I didn't think it was elite. I thought it was good, but not elite. Um, I think Halliburton is closer to elite. And the other thing was like, for me, when I watched Lonzo at UCLA, I felt like most of his passes, most of his really good floor court vision came into play in transition and on these weird 
they, UCLA pretty continually put him in a spot, and it worked really well for him. So you know, good I guess good coaching. But he would pop up from from the corner or the baseline. He would pop up to the top of the key or the the wing, and he would catch, and he would just kind of stand there and let the offense move around, let the players move around, and then he would kind of pick out where he wanted to throw the ball, which is a great, I mean, that's awesome, but it's not necessarily functional for the NBA. It's not, there's not a lot of that kind of offense in the league, and I I was never all that impressed with Lonzo's uh, playmaking and passing ability out of the pick and roll. Whereas you saw it, I mean, you watch him in, in pick and roll, and it's like if there is an inch of space, uh, Halliburton's going to get the ball to the guy. I mean, mm-hmm. he's a great passer in those settings, and I, I just, I think that translates to the NBA really. Yeah, well. if you if you can be a ball handler and at the very least manage the pick and roll, like you're going to be successful. Mm-hmm. Like now, yeah, the sh- like the shooting off the dribble and stuff, he's you know he's got to figure that out because then if he you know if the teams start keying on that. You know mm-hmm. that's going to be a yeah. problem for him because if it, it's going to be really easy just to kind of leave him and and smother sure. the other smother the role guy, but um, so you so you have like so what are your comps for him other than Lonzo Ball? I see I see Delon Wright a lot, but but a good a really good version of Del- I really like Delon Wright coming out of Utah. So I I, I may having seen him for this last year in Dallas, maybe that seems like a, a slap at him, but. I think he, he he brings some of that to the table. I see some of Rondo as well, but the the less annoying parts of of Rondo's game, and he is a much better he he projects anyway as a better shooter than Rondo too. But just the way that he manages the game and looks for passes and tries to find guys, um, and then the passes that he can throw, I see some of that, um, and a little bit of Shea Gildas Alexander, yeah. a, a little bit. I I mean the the I think that one really is more about the frame and the, 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 the length and the, wing. I mean, the fact that his wingspan is quote unquote only six, eight is kind of surprising because he looks, he looks like he has a seven foot wingspan. Mm-hmm. I mean, he looks, he looks really, really long and, and big out there. Um, so, you know, I, I, but I see some of the physical similarities between him and, and SGA, although their games are similar, but not like overly similar, I guess. So that's I part like the, of I, mean, I like the Rondo a, comp. That's that's a pretty yeah, good sure. co- comparison, in the sense of, you know, Rondo ha- Rondo can knock down a shot in in moments, but he also is really good mm-hmm. about managing a game and managing the the offense with his passing as well. So that's I mm-hmm. like that comp a lot. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, I mean, look, he he's a good athlete. He's not a great athlete, but I think his athleticism comes through less in his leaping uh, and more <clears throat> in what we like about somebody like Luca or like James Harden, it's the body control, right? And the, the ability to, to stop and start and in and out and the hesitations and all that sort of stuff. He, he has that really, really well. His finish is not very good at this point, and I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it ever will be that great. He has a good array of, of floaters and release angles and things like that, but uh, at his weight, without adding a lot of strength, he's going to struggle to finish. Uh, at the rim in, in the NBA. So some of that agility and, and uh, athleticism with the movements and stuff like that is going to have to be channeled into, okay, cool. You broke down the defense. Now you got to pass it. Cause you're not going to be able to finish this or figuring out some, a couple of go-to moves that actually work in the NBA so that he can finish around the rim or, or get up a, you know, a floater or something like mm-hmm. that. 
Um, and then the defensive side, like, I don't know what do you, he, he, he got a lot of steals. He, he's a, he's very smart off the ball. Um, and he, I mean, he plays passing lanes and stuff, but he doesn't seem like he gambles a bunch too. He just, he's, he's one of those guys that seems to kind of know when he can get the ball off a pass and when he can't, um, and he doesn't jump out too frequently on the ball, maybe, maybe a little bit less. So I think that will be as important to his development as a player than as, as the, the shooting or the strength or anything else is like, can he figure out how to be a serviceable, uh, on ball defender? I don't know. What do you, what do you think about I, that? Do I agree. How that can project? I agree. And I think that that's one of those situations where, if he's a, if he's a good you know student of the game, a good coach can get him mm-hmm. fixed on that stuff. Because a lot of times, sometimes it's just as simple as we're gonna fix your stance. If you just fix your stance sure. or fix how you how you attack a you know an on on ball situation, it can mm-hmm. make all the difference. And and I I didn't see anything glaringly bad in his defense, but sure. I think that's kind of where like. I know that some people have knocked his athleticism, and I think that's probably where the most of the knocking has come from. Is that he doesn't seem to, you know, his on-ball defense seems to be a little bit less athletic than it probably could be for a guard. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. but I I feel like especially with with a student of the game, with somebody who who wants to do better, he gets if he gets the right coach, I really feel like you know defense is something that can can be coached if he if he like if, if he has those instincts like you're saying he has then you just need to take those instincts and then put him with a good defensive plan basically mm-hmm. yeah yeah because the thing is with him for me i'm very high on him i i would be there was a rumor last week that uh from bobby marks that the mavs were trying to package their two picks to move up to target somebody in the top at the end of the top 10 or early teens and the thought was that maybe it was Halliburton, and I was thrilled about that. Like, I, I think he'd be... So, for me, the knock on him is... Or or at least maybe the thing that will... I don't think he has much star potential. Like, he's not going to be a top three cornerstone of your team, I think, for, for almost any team. And what may prevent him from being the... <sighs> a true uh, lead ball handler guy is that he is what we kind of said, like the struggle to score, to get it, to get a bucket off, off of a screen is really difficult. I, I mean, Lonzo still, that's like the biggest issue for him. It's not just that the shot is so funky and, and bad. It's that he combines that, those shot mechanics with, an inability and just an inability to get by his man and almost no burst. And so it's real easy to kind of shut down the passing lanes on a guy like Lonzo, because you're not at all worried that he's going to step behind the, the, uh, the screen and, and Jack a three. And you're not worried at all that he's going to blow by you and get to the rim or anything like that. I think Halliburton could project to do a little better than that, but I don't think he's ever going to be somebody that just terrorizes you uh, from a scoring standpoint like that. And so because of that, then I think you look at him and you say, if you're a team that already has a primary ball handler, that's a guy that you could stick in the backcourt with them. And now you've got, I mean, secondary ball handling is one of the, the uh, biggest commodities in the NBA right now. Um, and he, he for sure brings that to the table. Mm-hmm. And I, I would love to see him. I, and so because of that, I think there's, 
you look at these top, you know, you look at the top 10 or whatever, and there's, there's almost not a spot where I don't think that he would be good and where he, where I don't think he would be successful um, on any of these teams, except for maybe Cleveland or something like that, that already have two, two point guards that don't really work well together. So let's, I I guess that's the next question I was going to have is, I've seen him as high as five and I've seen him as low as 12 on some mock drafts mm-hmm. today. Um, what would you be, uh, what would be your best case scenario for him? Like in the, in a reasonable rate. And what do you think is most likely going to end up being his spot? Sure. I think he'd be, I think he'd be a good fit. Yeah. I think he'd be a better fit in Minnesota than LaMelo ball is. There's no way he's getting taken at number one, but I, I, I think he's a better fit there. I think it would be interesting with Steph and Clay in uh, in Golden State, and they have some defensive pieces that can maybe uh, limit his exposure on the defensive end already. Um, I guess Charlotte could play small and and have Rozier and Graham and Halliburton uh, in their starting lineup and see how that works. I, that's probably the only one here besides Cleveland that's like, not the best fit in the world. He'd be great next to Zach Levine, I think. Actually, like Zach Levine for sure could use what Halliburton brings mm-hmm. to the table. That'd be a pretty good pairing. And I actually think the same for Trey in Atlanta as well. Um, that's like not a position of need for them, obviously, since their whole thing is built around Trey. But I, I think you could probably just... I mean, they really needed secondary playmaking so badly last year. And Halliburton brings that to the table. So... I don't know, man. I think he could be interesting at kind of any of these spots. Tankathon has him going to Phoenix. Think he'd be great there. Washington, he'd be interesting there. I mean, if you're like Detroit or the Knicks and you just need, I mean, I've said before, I think that the Pistons especially ought to just be trying to swing for the fences to get somebody that they can potentially build a team around because they have nothing mm-hmm. on that roster and stuff. So I don't know that, that Halliburton fits that, but if they go the opposite route and just say, we're not going to rush this. We're just going to we're just going to pick up good players and good assets, and we'll worry about trying to find you know the guys to to quote unquote build around later. Then he'd be fine there. I I would have have to believe that I I could see him slipping because he isn't going to be a superstar. There's almost no potential for that whatsoever. So I could see him slipping, but I also if I'm a team, if I'm a scout or a GM, and we're going into meetings trying to put our big board together. I'm looking around the room and be like, why aren't we, why don't we have Halliburton in the top three or five on our mm-hmm. board? Because this dude can play anywhere and can bring so much to the table that, that winning basketball teams need. I yeah. Think. I would love to see him slip to the Spurs. I think, oh, I yeah, think, he'd be fun. There. I think that'd sure. be, I, I think there's the, like, you know, obviously the organization is, is a great organization, but, and I don't really want to see him in a, in a game, you know, in a team that I have to face a lot if he ends up being a guy that ends up being a top five talent out of this draft. But I think that the Spurs have a, you know, they have, they're they a little bit loaded at the guard spot, but I think him and mm-hmm. Murray next to each other could be pretty pretty fun and pretty devastating sure. if 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 they if he comes to be what we think he can be. So Sure. Yeah. Look, man, this is a draft that you, you kind of would rather have the 10th pick than the first pick in a lot of ways. Um, I don't really mean that, but you know what I mean? It's there's less, there's so much, there's a lot of guys who can help on a good team or a marginal team that's trying to get good or whatever. 
There's just not a lot of guys that you can say, man, this is this is who our, our dude is going to be moving forward. And so it's hard. Like, I'm having a real hard time with my big board at this point because it's, I mean, anytime you do a big board, you're you're looking, you're projecting, obviously. You're trying to do it in a vacuum, not by team needs and, and all these sorts of things. It's very difficult because... If I end up with Anthony Edwards, let's just say, let's talk about him and LaMelo Ball, just just the two of them, because there's some real similarities mm-hmm. in the way that they play. There's almost no, if if we do the 100 universes thing where we say that, you know, there's 100 universes that exist um, where, you know, all these people, how many, in how many of them is Tyrese Halliburton a superstar and LaMelo Ball is not a superstar? It's like, zero i mean one you know it's 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 incredibly unlikely versus how many universes is Lamelo ball a superstar in i don't know maybe 15 or 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 more but like if you go to their medians how many universes does tyrese halliburton end up being a better more respected player around the league because he can blend in with with pretty much any mm-hmm. team versus like we both kind of said on the ball episode, that dude may turn out to be great, but you're going to have to do the Trey Young thing where you pretty much just build your team around him and hope that it comes through. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. It's it's a tough trying to choose between those two things. I mean, that's why, you know, that's the hard job for, for GMs is... is uh, I mean, you're right. Like, you know, you know, being in the bottom part of this lottery and missing on, like, I, I obviously I hope he doesn't miss, but let's say you miss on... If you're the Suns and you miss on Halliburton, like that's not as big of a deal at ten as it, than it is if, you know, the Wizards, not the Wizards, the uh, Timberwolves, or you know, uh-huh. others up there miss on Anthony Edwards or Lamelo Ball. Sure. So, sure, yeah, I'm yeah. with you. It's a fun player. I hope that I hope that he ends up being you know the player we think he can be. I always like good, seeing sure. a good you know guard like this. So, yeah, the easily of the of the five players that we have done episodes on at this point, he is easily my favorite player. Like I love watching him play basketball, and I would be, uh, I'd be thrilled if if uh, if my team was you know in a vacuum, even if I wasn't a match. It's just like oh, it'd be awesome to have him on my team. I would very much enjoy watching him play basketball. So, um, okay, cool. Look, next week, uh, let's let's do Killian Hayes next week. Nice. Let's get a couple of these international <clears throat> players in, and uh, and as I mentioned earlier, probably as we get closer to the draft. We'll do episodes where we, you know, break down for for a shorter period of time. We'll break down three or four prospects, maybe, um, as we get closer and, and lead into uh, lead into that draft. There, thank you so much for being here, dear listeners. We greatly appreciate you listening to us and giving us uh, an extra twenty five minutes of your time this week. Um, you know, if you liked what you heard, that's so great, and uh, we hope that you will bring your friends around. Tell some tell some people about us, right? Like, go into an Apple store and. And download Spread the Floor on all the <laughs> products that are in the Apple Store. Uh, are there still? Can you still play music in Best Buys? I don't know. But if you can play uh, still Spread have the Best Floor Buys? or something like that. Uh. I don't know. That's a great question. <laughs> That's a great question, Tobin. Uh, email us. Let us know if there are still Best Buys. <laughs> um, but seriously, tell your basketball buddies. Bring them around to listen to this year's show. It helps us a lot to carve out a niche in this very cramped podcast market. And leave us a five-star rating, a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. And in that review, tell us the most obscure or random NBA jersey that you own or have owned in the past. And we like to read those out at the end of the store. At the end of the, not the store, at the end of the episode. Um, like I said, we'll be back next week. 
in our main episode talking about all things NBA Finals and uh, everything that comes along with that. And then our bonus episode talking about Killian Hayes. Until then, stay hard, Ronnie Rogers. <laughs>